We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience presented by DraftKings 2020 Week 4 Rankings. Debate each position. Breakdown if you want to find the rankings. They are in the description of this video and podcast and i highly recommend you check back in on the rankings because as we are recording this we have situations going on not only just injuries but now we have players on the titans testing positive for covid19 not sure if the games are going to happen or not so we're going to try to delicately walk around this in terms of how the rankings are going to work out this week but you might get to sunday and you're absolutely fucked if we don't know so just pay attention to that the important (laughs) show for this week is going to be friday night's pat mayo experience Uh, i always record that after the injury report comes out it's generally released around 6 p.m on friday so two things in terms of that show uh one we should have a lot more information three days from now but i will be updating the rankings every single day on dkplaybook.com like i said you can get the links in the descriptions just like i'll be doing for the waiver wire pickups in case more news comes out so you might want to refresh that those are going to be updated every single day but friday we'll have all the injury news that we'll know of we'll have we should have some resolution on this titan Steelers situation and how that affects everyone else going forward because the vikings right now like all these games have been pulled off sports books no one knows what's going on as we speak right now we don't know what's going on and just to remind Reminder that if you're watching this and news has come out, we didn't know at the time, so fuck off with the, oh, I can't believe you did it. No, we don't know right now. There's no news as we record right now. And shockingly enough, when you record a video that's a hard video and gets uploaded, you can't just go back and change what you say in it. So again, the Friday show is going to be the important show, but we're going to have the spread show, the DraftKings show. If more information comes out before that, we'll update it on each show each every day. But I don't want to be doing like periodic, like, oh, it's changed to this. We still don't know. Like there's no real reason to go about that. So we're going to play it as if the games are going to happen. Remember to smash the like button. Oh, also on that Friday show, that's where I'm going to be doing question and answers for the year. So 
if you load in your start sit question, because there's no real reason to ask a start sit question, especially on Tuesday. Someone's already asked me, do I trade Derrick Henry now in case he has COVID? Like, I don't fucking know. No. Uh, if he does, people probably don't want him. But at the same time, like, what are we doing here? Like, just calm down. I mean, I'm not calm, but you should calm down. Just breathe it in. Not the COVID, but just breathe in the air. Calm yourself down and everything will be good. I do think Jake's always on the line from The Athletic, by the way. Um, I think the games are going to happen regardless. I really do. I, I do too. Uh, it reminded me of Craig Ferguson. You could just do this and then be like in your area and then edit in the voice afterwards. So you could do that if you want. So <laughs> that, nobody it. has any idea. Once again, not how videos work, but okay. <laughs> I, uh, I have Twitter open just in case anything happens while we're recording this, but I, I'm with you in the fact that I kind of feel similar to the hurricane situation is that they might worst case push it to Tuesday. I've heard the reports that you have and everybody else has about moving the bye weeks but now you're talking about four teams, six teams, eight teams potentially being involved. If the Minnesota Vikings continue with their nothing, nobody has anything, that game seems okay. So now you're down to one game, and why not just kind of push it back till Monday or Tuesday? The biggest issue there is the fact that the Titans are going to complain that they're not able to practice on the field. So I'm with you. I do think that they go forward with it, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked. Like, either way... To your point in this entire thing, and I got one, look, you've got three F-bombs. I got one of my two, your points out of the way. Pretend like all four teams are on a bye and have backup plans now. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it ends up going. But yes, start thinking about backup plans, whether you're doing the waiver wire on Tuesday night or on Wednesday morning. Just keep that in the back of your mind. There's no like must add at running back this week unless Gaskin is still there. Carol Gaskin, she's still out there. You can go pick her up. But <laughs> other than that, like there's the guys, the rookies on the waiver wire in terms of wide receiver you can go get. But we'll talk about those in context of the rankings. Uh, so just straight injuries for the moment until we find out some more news. Like I said, the Friday evening show is when I should have more information on this. I'm guessing the have a decision made by then and in the comment section of that friday show is where i will be taking the start sit questions for the week you got any question you can leave it in there and i'll answer those on saturday evening so i feel like that's a way that i'm going to try to engage just to put them all in one spot and so people aren't just like hitting me up and dming me and all this stuff it's just easier to do it in the comment section of the show plus i'm going to be live 10 a.m eastern time with brad evans on sunday taking all of your questions at the moment updating you on the very latest information we have but we're here here to talk 2020 rankings for week four, Jake. So let's talk about running backs. Here are the guys I have likely in for the moment. Philip Lindsay and Jarek McKinnon likely out. Chris Carson, Raheem Mostert, Colonel Mostert, Justin Jackson, Duke Johnson, Zach Moss, James White, and Cam Akers out. Tariq Cohen, done for the year. Le'Veon Bell still on the IR. Christian McCaffrey on injured reserve and Tevin Coleman on injured reserve. So that gets us into the rankings. Number one, Ezekiel Elliott at the Cleveland or versus the Cleveland Browns. Kamara, Cook, Aaron Jones, Eckler, Miles Sanders, Derrick Henry, Clyde, Edwards, Allaire, Mike Davis against the Cardinals and James Conner against the Titans. Of course, again, we're just moving forward like that game is going on for the moment. Uh, and that's how we're going to speak for the context of this show. I couldn't have enjoyed more, Jake, of what I saw and how Mike Davis was used on Sunday. I love it, especially against these high-paced Cardinals where they're just going to be running as many plays as possible. Hopefully they jump up early. Maybe Mike Davis can have 12 yeah. catches this week. Yeah, I definitely could. Uh, you're more right than I was. Uh, Where did you have him last week? I forget, like right around 10? Yeah, it was 9 or 10, yeah. And I, I had him at 15, so kudos to you on that. I think he finished 10, so there you go. Boom. Uh, it was surprising. 
I will say this. I think people are too reluctant to change in general because it was funny. Like Brandon Funston, who over at The Athletic was 16. We were the two highest. This is why I said you should be doing rankings because you'd be more accurate than you think. We were the two highest at 15 and 16. It's like I was like, I kind of felt like, why? Why aren't more people on this? Because you were out there leading the way for at 10. So I think Mike Davis is a great situation. Of all these situations, I know we don't usually nitpick top 10. Um, I think a lot of people are going to push back at you and be like, why isn't Kamara number one? But the one I'm looking at in this entire group, I have legitimate concerns for Miles Sanders right now. Uh, not because like the 49ers defense is that scary and the Giants aren't a great comparison, except for they kind of are of talent at this point. Carson Wentz has been playing miserable. Their offensive line with how banged up it is might be just as bad as the Giants offensive line. They're losing receivers by the week. And I know that kind of points to, well, just lean on Miles Sanders, but that doesn't always work where I, I kind of just feel like I would feel better about at least four guys behind him. Kenya Drake against the Panthers. I'd feel better about at this point. And one that you have at 15, uh, we can talk about it in a second later, but at least in this point, I, I think Sanders is a little high. I just look at the, the main, main rankings, and we've been over this a bunch of times, but for anyone out there, like I'm just looking at volume, and I know Sanders is going to play 80% or more of those snaps, which is not reflective of what happened in the Giants' backfield last week. I think the right. Eagles are still a bit more competent. Yes, they're entirely banged up, but when you see double-digit targets in the passing game, I know that you know, they didn't all convert into catches, but he's running like legitimate routes down the field. So I can kind of pencil him regardless of game situation at plenty 20-plus touches, and there's just so few running backs I can do that with. I know Drake on paper seems like the better play, but he's running into sort of the Devin Singletary situation at the moment. Is Kyler key... Kyler has become their red zone running back that he's stealing all <laughs> yeah, these Yeah, but touchdown. he's getting like, 20 touches. Did he have 20 last week? I, I feel like he's not like 15. I think he had like 19. I feel like he's... <laughs> but I feel like his max for the three games has been 15 to 20, where Sanders, I feel like right in 20 as a floor and then go up from there. And I think those extra touches are very valuable. Well, I was going to say, if you want to push back, the argument you can make, too, is that Drake has essentially turned into Derrick Henry. And Chase Emmons is being used in the passing game, so that would be another pushback. But against the Panthers' defense. Uh, but, I mean, let's just talk about your teens then, because, again, we're kind of nitpicking the top ten. I just feel less certain about Sanders. The only way I threw that out there is because somebody might have picked up Mike Davis and might be sitting in a situation where you could conceivably bench Sanders. Not that I would, to your point, but you'd have to be flush with running backs and the fact that, you drafted James Conner and Miles Sanders and then got Mike Davis and maybe you only have a two running back, two wide receiver league, which I'm surprised people still play in. Yeah. Um, Eckler is the one who has the biggest chance to move way down on this list to me. Like if for whatever reason, Tyrod uh, comes back and he ends up starting, like I drop him to like 17th. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly fair, but it doesn't sound like Tyrod's coming back at least for one more week. No, but when the moment Tyrod comes back, you really need to be cognizant that, I mean, it's, it was just one week, but we have the entire sample of Tyrod's career that he doesn't throw to running backs. Herbert loves throwing to running backs, as it turns out. And Keenan Allen. Yeah, those and two. Loves, and, lo and Hunter Henry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, but Keenan Allen is put, so DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen are one and two in target percentage for the season. For the season, that includes Keenan Allen playing with Tyrod Taylor in week one. That's how much... Justin Herbert's targeted him the past two weeks. He's actually even higher if you just include the he's number one if you just include the last two weeks in target percentage. So that would be the other situation. You would downgrade Keenan Allen, upgrade Mike Williams because uh, Tyra Taylor was targeting the same but was giving more air yards to Mike Williams. So yes, Austin Eckler conceivably, but it sounds like Taylor should be good for one more week. Can uh, we get to your teens so I can talk about my guy? 
get to my team. Who's my team? Your teens. teens oh, my 11 teens. Through, yeah. Oh, well, hold on. Yeah. Do, you don't dictate the show. Pat dictates. Yeah. That's why I M- Maybe you should. You got me rattled now. I was taking over as host. Uh, I did want to remind everyone out there, FTN Fantasy, FTN Daily, and FTNBets.com. If you go to FTNFantasy.com right now, there's a brand new start-sit tool where you can punch in as many players as you want. You'll just line them up all right next to each other and make your decision very easy for you. Uh, plus, there's the air yards model that's up there right now, plus the offensive line and defensive line all those tools are free by the way if you want the premium package you can go and get the wide receiver cornerback tools the optimizer all the projections for the week whatever slate you want to play whether it's a season long whether it's DraftKings, whether you're just looking for player props code mayo get you a discount on that on the ftn network of three sites ftn bets ftn daily and ftn fantasy Dot com. Go check it out, please. And you use the mayo. You tell the mayo sent you. And then you get a discount for doing that. <laughs> the teens, Jake, for you. Number 11, I have Kenyon Drake. Then James Robinson, David Johnson, Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Kareem Hunt, Rex Burkhead, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, and Daryl Henderson at home against the New York Giants. And once again, that assumes that Cam Akers is going to miss this game with his ribs problem. So again, if Cam Akers ends up active, I doubt I would keep Daryl Henderson at number 20 he'd probably follow to like number 25 but you want to talk about josh jacobs talk about him i do and so it comes back to two things is one is that you know i hit last week it was the daryl henderson situation but it was daryl henderson's breakaway ability the big play ability but also that the people out there assume that the bills defense is super scary it's not for running backs is something i'll bring up i, I mentioned it to you last week i mentioned it in my column last week as daryl henderson being the sleeper of the week at running back they are top five in yards after contact and number one, or now maybe they slid back to number two. I haven't checked up the update this week, but they're either number one or number two in broken tackles allowed broken tackle percentage. They're, they're not securing running backs after they get contact. And that's leading to games like Daryl Henderson, Josh Jacobs, top 10 for breaking tackles. So everything here, when you have a game with no rugs, no Brian Edwards, they're going to have to lean on him. I know that the Bills can sit there and do what the Patriots just did and say, hey, we're just going to take away Darren Waller. But then, you know, look at what happens when you go after and take Darren Waller. Josh Jacobs just going to run around all day long with more success now that he's healthy against a defense that is very, very susceptible to the run. I can see it. I just think that the Bills jump up in this game, and then you're forced into a situation where are you positive that Jacobs is going to be the one being used as a receiver out of the backfield. Let's say the let's say, and maybe I'm wrong on how this game is going to unfold, but let's say the Bills jump up 10 nothing, 13 nothing here, very early in the game. Do you see a path where Jacobs gets 20 touches? That's likely. I see the path. I understand yes. what the path is, but do you think that ends up coming through? I think it comes through unless he's still not 100%, and we don't know that. Uh, hopefully, we'll get some more reports, and he's not missing practice. And if he practices Wednesday, good, yay, we're we're happy, and we'll know. So that's the only way I don't see it is because I still think, as we've seen so far, he's being used in the passing game. Rashard yeah, shows sometimes. Booker didn't do much in that game. And it really comes down to is I think they just have to, whether or not they're down by 14 or 21, I think they have to just because who are the top two wide receivers right now? It's Renf- Renfro, Renfro and, and Aguilar. <laughs> or, or Zay Jones. like so oh, Revenge game, Zay needs- Jones. That's how I was about to just make that same joke. Zay Jones plays outside. Aguilar being forced outside doesn't do good things for him, as we've seen from before. Well, Renfro is not moving out of the slot. So this just feels like they're going to have to lean on Jacobs. And again, the statistics-wise, this is why I liked Henderson last week. Uh, Jacobs sets up perfectly for the same exact scenario. 
Yeah, maybe I'm low on Josh Jacobs. You know what? I'm fine with it. I'm going to keep him number 15. He's not a sit. He's a start. Uh, I just like the other guys a little bit more. Uh, Kareem Hunt. I would start him over David Johnson against the Vikings. And oh, I know I'm... you love David Johnson for the snaps. I, I know you do. And the Vikings. But the, the the Vikings started to change course a little bit last week and started to play a little bit better. Yeah, but they're not going to. Of course, but, Derek Henry. But, but, but even if they do play, if that game goes, they're not going to be able to practice till Friday. <laughs> That's certainly true. So what does that matter? That well, like not practicing is going to make them regress. I, I think that there's going to be a substantial downgrade to teams that don't practice this week. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if it's, I don't know if I would go that far. Okay, and David Johnson. I mean, right right now I have Duke Johnson as out. David Johnson's like the only running back who's going to play like ninety five plus percent, and he's yeah, getting but, the usage. He's been bad, but he's just had the Texans have just had the schedule of death to start the season. It opens up a little bit now for them. Uh, look, I'm just telling you, like, uh, well, I'll just take Jacobs over David Johnson. That's my biggest issue right now. I mean, I'll bet you David Johnson scores more fantasy points than Josh Jacobs. I mean, our bets keep going back like 50, 50. And I think that we, we never remember him anyway. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. I, I like David Johnson more than I like Josh Jacobs this week. Presuming with the contingency that the game actually happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I would legitimately make the bet, but I don't think we've ever, like, kept track of, like, anything that we've had to pay the other person because I think that just all sets one week to the next. Yeah, we, we really need someone to uh, keep track of these bets for us. If Rob McIntyre is watching, you keep track of it and you send me the, the bets that Jake and I make. I remember the Tim ones because they're so hilariously lopsided in my favor. I, <laughs> I win a bunch of money off them, so it's great. Rex- <laughs> I know this has nothing to do with anything, but when you said that I saw the tweet that Tim Anderson th- thinks he could, at Andrew Cust could think that he could hit in Major League Baseball, that was just hilarious. Yeah, considering he hits below 100 in slow-pitch co-ed softball, it's going to be tough. <laughs> Rex Burkhead, anyway. number 17. Um, if there's no James White again, especially in a game where they're underdogs against the Chiefs, you have to think this is another situation where the Patriots are going to try to run the ball as much as normal, as much as they can to limit the time of possession for the Chiefs. Hopefully there's not big scores against them, get Cam on the move, but it does seem like Burkhead is going to be the one primarily working out of the backfield as a receiver. I would 100% agree with you. Uh, he was obviously the big hit on DraftKings last week. If everybody who was at the top had him, I wouldn't expect a similar game, but I would expect similar use if what you just said, if James White is out. That's really what it comes down to. And James White might be, who knows? It's all going to come down to his emotional state. And, you know, that's a sad situation. But if he's out, just put, put Burkhead in as an RB2, locked in like you have him. The rest of them, like Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon, Daryl Henderson. How panicked are we about Joe Mixon if he doesn't play well in this game against the Jags? See, I'm not going to, again, I'm still not going to panic because Well, you got to start panicking soon. We're going to be into week five, like a quarter of the season's over, and he sucks. But, wait, wait, wait. He doesn't suck. He's just the problem right now. You you, you play him every week. See how your team's doing. (laughs) It's doing fine because he's a low-end RB, too. It's not what you paid for. But there's a lot worse running backs out there with the landscape of running backs. You give me 20 touches a week. That was your whole argument for Miles Sanders. You give me 20 touches for a week for a running back, I'm going to take it. That was the argument I made for Austin Eckler for everybody that was like, why do you want to buy low on him with Tyrod Taylor? Because he's still getting 20 touches every single week. It doesn't look good. And the reason I said I'm not going to be a full-blown panic is because it's the Jaguars of all teams. You bring this up all the time. And this is one thing I love about FDN Fantasy that has the pace. The Jaguars are dog crap slow. It might be as this. He might actually not get 20 touches this week because it just might not be there opportunity wise he might get 17 touches and it might be 17 for 70 something yards and if he doesn't get the touchdowns people are going to bitch and complain again and i'm saying that's that's better than most running backs that's still rb2 people are pissed off 
because he was a fringe first-round pick, and that's why. Well, I think that when you hit on Eckler and after week one, I think that's a very apt comparison because Eckler is... I don't want to say devoid of value, but like his value is slashed so much that even if he has 20 touches, but all those touches are carries that really impacts his fantasy value. Like if Tyrod would come back and he, let's say puts between like 16 and 20 touches per game, but 18 of them are carries. That's not really doing me anything. I need Austin Eckler to be catching passes. And I know that Mixon isn't right. a primary ball catcher to begin with, but you'd think that he could just be on the field enough to have Fuck, like five targets a game if they're dump-offs, four targets a game, but they just don't do it. They bring in Gio Bernard. Like, the concerning part is the snap share in all of this. And if he's not going to be using the passing game, that just limits his upside so much. Uh, and I completely understand. And, I again, I get the concerns. It's just this, this game, the reason I pushed back is because you said, do we panic after this game? And because of who they're facing, I don't think it's a fair situation to panic if he still gets close to 20 touches because the pace, it really comes down to it. Uh, so that's why. That, that was more about your question than the scenario of like being upset with Mixon's usage. This was, let's look back and say, we should have had Mixon lower for the season. He should have been a mid-RB2. And remember that, like, okay, well, now you have a mid-RB2. Do you overreact and be pissed off because you spent more than you should have for Mixon? No, you deal with what you have for now. Like, if you can make concessions elsewhere or maybe trade to make moves and get better at the running back position, that's fine. But don't get pissed off and overreactionary because, you know, one of your... Is it as bad as missing Barkley at this point? At least you still have an RB2. All that being said, Daryl Henderson against the Giants, I would play over him. Okay, really? You would play Henderson, but that assumes Akers going to be out, correct? I don't even think, even if Akers is back, it call me crazy, but this kind of feels like a Wally Pip situation that it's Henderson. Like it was Malcolm Brown. Now it's Henderson until he proves otherwise. Like Akers will be sprinkled in if active, but I don't think it'll be more than what we saw from Akers before, where it's now Henderson's Malcolm Brown until he gets hurt or Henderson has a bad game. And I don't think it's going to happen against the Giants defense. Well, I'm good with dropping Mixon below Henderson. Would you drop him below any of the next rung of guys, which is like, like I said, fucking Carol Gaskin, uh, Dancing with the Stars (laughs) superstar. We have Devin Singletary, Jarek McKinnon, who looks like he's going to play. And these rankings think that Mostart is going to be out for the moment. So until he's in, Jarek is going to remain right here. Carlos Hyde, like, would you drop Mixon below? Let's say Singletary, for that matter, who is probably not going to score any touchdowns, but he's going to have significant usage in the passing game. And a great matchup against the Raiders run defense, which is as bad as the Panthers run defense right now. I would actually play Singletary over Mixon at this point because your rankings are assuming, again, for everybody that missed you at the top, that Moss is not playing. So I would play Singletary over him. You know, I got to say, I would be tempted to even go hide with no Chris Carson. Like, I just I just don't know. I don't know that entire situation is the thing like how much is Travis Homer going to be involved I, I don't know it could be half the time it could be none of the time like I this ranking is more of a hedge that I think that Hyde is going to be the main cog but at the same time if they went series for series I wouldn't be stunned if they want to play a bit up pace Travis right. Homer might be on the field like I just don't know and, and I, I kind of assume that's where you're going to like the hedge and I thought maybe that's why you were hedging a little bit with Henderson too uh, I understand it I'm just saying I could see people wanting to play Hyde over Mixon from the frustration. And I wouldn't tell you, no, is basically what I'm saying. I would, I agree with you. And I would go with Mixon. It's funny, like just argued, you know, don't panic too much. And I'm making a case for benching him for Hyde only because I could see making that switch. 
I'm curious to see, like you said, with the pace with the Jags, they're bottom 10 right now in terms of they're one of the 10 slowest teams. The Bengals are like the third fastest team going. So sometimes it, it, it really kind of sways one way depending on how the games go that if Cincinnati ends up, and they've been down in a lot of these games, but even in like neutral situations like seven points or less, they're still an incredibly fast team. Whether they make Jacksonville pick up the pace a little bit or do they draw Cincinnati into like the slow as molasses type game? I, I'm very where curious does, to see uh, how that goes. Where do the Browns rank in pace? The Browns? Let me look that up for you. FTNFantasy.com. That, that game got out of hand, so that could be a good comparison. The, if the Browns are close to the Jaguars. The Browns are right in the middle. They're a very yeah, neutral. Right. Te- they're just a neutral pace team. They're the same as. So the they pulled. They pulled the Browns up. You know, maybe you get Jacksonville to neutral. Well, a lot of it too is that the Bengals give up so many big plays that I mean, just take a look at James Robinson, who I think has either a twenty-five yard catch or a thirty-yard run in each of the first three games, and the Bengals give up the most big plays of any team. They're actually not good before contact, but they actually give up more yards after contact than they do before contact, which is kind of mind blowing uh, when you really think on that for a second but uh, that's why i like james robinson so much this week and if they you can get chunk plays like i I assume chark's gonna be back this week after the extended break because of the thursday nighter if you can just put up big plays against the Bengals, that's just something they can't stop unless you're the eagles and you just throw the ball out of bounds the entire game that that's gonna force the like you don't need jacksonville to be super fast in that circumstance they can break off chunk plays yeah, I'm looking about what you're talking about right now. They're you know, 20th in yards before contact rushing, but then completely after contact, they're fifth. So there's your, there's your big play opportunity there. But surprisingly, they're pretty low, and they don't miss a lot of tackles. They, they just want to, they, people get the ball, and they're just standing over on the sideline. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, they make first contact, and then all of a sudden, they just you know, no one can catch up to who else is on the Go field. Go ahead. <laughs> it's all yours. Just We're giving you the touchdown. Don't worry about it. So in that 20 to 30 range as it goes, so I just moved Mixon down. So it's going to go Gaskin, Singletary, Jarek, Mixon, Hyde, Montgomery, Ingram, that is a guest rank, obviously. J.D. McKissick mm. against the Ravens, who I was thinking PP like whoa, whoa. Half, half point whoa, and PPR. Time out. Yeah. Time out, Pat. Can I finally jump in on this? Because I have, till, to, till 2020, I have tried to tell you your, you, your hatred has gone too far. This ranking is way too friggin' high for Mark Ingram. Hey, it's not my ranking. What do you want me to do? I know. I don't rank him. He's in worst place. That's where Mark Ingram is because he blows. But this is where he has been guest ranked this week. After how was he guest ranked there after last night? I don't fucking know. I'm not the guest. You want to re-rank him? I'll give him Jake Seeley's ranking. Give him a number. I'll put him there. Uh, you. So as much as Arians is just going to give the ball to whoever doesn't fumble, I'd still play Jones, Wilson, who oh, Kelly. Put him down by Thompson and Fournette. Put so, him all the way down there. So make him one, one spot after Fournette, one spot ahead of Deion Lewis. That makes Mark Ingram yeah, the devil. Deion Lewis Lucifer himself, Lewis number 41. Yeah. All right. I like J.D. McKissick this week. Not as like a great play, but he. they don't. It's funny. We all thought like, oh, like Washington's just going to throw to Gibson all the time. I'm really worried about his carries because that's definitely his role on this team. Turns out it's actually the exact opposite. <laughs> 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 like, hey, you used to be mixed in college and didn't have a lot of carries at all. But yeah, forget your passing game upside that you have. I- I'm with you on that. Like, I don't know if I would have McKissick as high. We'll see in my rankings. But 
after what you saw Edwards Alaire do against them is that they did struggle with the, the running back getting to space. So that's an interesting play. And it's a situation where you have to presume that Baltimore is going to bounce back in this game in the Battle of Maryland. I guess D.C. would be its own. You, Lamar Jackson, game. five touchdown game incoming. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it's just let's just say Washington is down in this game before they give up with all their timeouts on the board. They're going to be passing, presumably, a ton. Like I would expect McKissick to play like 55, 60 percent of the snaps in this game. Like Every time Gibson's on the field, he basically touches the ball. But. Outside of that, if they're passing, it's been McKissick. Peyton Barber, like, after scoring two touchdowns, did they owe him two touchdowns or something like that? And they're like, <laughs> all right, we don't need to use you anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's the it's the baffling situation there is like why they even do it. Maybe they learned their lesson. What was it? What, 17 carries for like 31 yards in that game or whatever it was. So they learned. They, they figured it out real quick. Uh, I will say the other thing about Gibson, too, is now granted he has the passing game upside and he had is elusive and shifty McKissick is more and again to go back to that game you saw Daryl Williams struggle most of his touch he didn't get a whole lot of touches but you saw him struggle with some of his touches outside of where they were trying to get him in space Darwin Thompson too so I think that if you're looking at Gibson versus McKissick in this game McKissick kind of feels like the one who could do more with his touches because if they're going to use Gibson as a pure runner I, I don't like that as much as against I don't like that as much as any running back going straight up the gut against the Ravens. No, and this is really, there's sort of like a line at, I guess Mixon would be the line, unless you feel very confident in Carlos Hyde with this back end. Is it a line here. of demarcation? It could be a line of demarcation. We'll find out. I'll, I'll consult my Rand McNally Atlas a little bit later on, and we'll find out exactly <laughs> where that's going to be. But once we get into McKissick, like Montgomery, I don't know. Everyone's... Uh, for the, I mean, maybe it's because I've been talking to Brad every Sunday and I keep betting unders on David Montgomery and then laughing at him after I win and he loses. But David Montgomery blows <laughs> like he's bad. Uh, and just because Cohen is out, I don't think all of a sudden he's going to be like pass game central. Oh, seven targets for David Montgomery. Maybe his snap share goes up. But I have a distinct feeling we're going to see more Ryan Nall and we're going to see Cordero Patterson out of the backfield. Yeah, and they're supposedly looking to pr uh, promote Artavius, and he could be used in the passing game as well. So uh, I'm with you. Is I don't think this is an immediate like smash, as people love to see. You love to say it for your show. For David Montgomery, it's also you know the Colts defense is one of the better defenses in the league. The Montgomery situation, I think you kind of have to play him. But as you mentioned, I don't think he's going to absorb much of the passing game work. I mean, even if it is. Only Cordell Patterson and all. I think Cordell Patterson is going to see. We, he already was involved to begin with. Going to see most of the Cohen work. So I'm with you. I, I think that's a fair spot to have him. And I, you, you would hope maybe next year that Montgomery and now Zach Moss, that you know the PFF broken tackle percentage coming out of college is a lot different than being in the NFL. That maybe people won't get hung up on these guys for the third straight year. Yeah, he's still at 25 because I do think that he'll handle the goal line duties. He should get 15 to 20 touches. That's fine. They're just 15 to 20 bad touches. It's like why I have Melvin Gordon, number 27, <laughs> against the Jets. This does presume that Philip Lindsay is going to be back. If Lindsay sits on Thursday night, then I would move Gordon up. But, like, this offense is terrible. Melvin Gordon is terrible. And the Jets run defense, only thing they do well. <laughs> Dude, I'm so... I am praying and hoping we get a Bortles versus Flacco revenge scenario in that. <laughs> Both of them. Revenge versus revenge. I just want it to happen. Oh, boy. That's, it's funny because that game is going to turn out to be way better than the Monday night game. It just will. That's how football works. <laughs> it, it really is.
Uh, so I have Todd, I have into, so Adrian Peterson at 28 after Gordon, Antonio Gibson, Todd Gurley at number 30. And this is a play against Atlanta where if the Packers jump out, uh, we've just seen so much Brian Hill on the field in passing situations and they do not throw to Gurley that he can be written out of nope. this game pretty easily. Yeah, I think Gurley is concerning going forward in general. I, I talked about him. So in my waiver article, I always do this. The beginning part is like the concern section. Like, And I do it for Ducks because of DuckTales. They have 1 to 5 rating. And I had Gurley there last week, and I doubled down on Gurley again. Gurley is probably, I would say, like out of 5, they gave him 3 Ducks. So like, to your point, and there's 2, is he's not used in the passing game. And this is a pass-happy offense that their defense sucks enough too that most of the games end up being pass happy just by default. So if Todd Gurley is getting the Derrick Henry treatment, if he's getting the, what we talked about before with other running backs, Austin Eckler before Herbert took over uh, the concern with others, like Montgomery, I mean, bring back Montgomery in this conversation. What's the big difference between Todd Gurley and Montgomery at this point? I just think that the bears are able to, because their defense is so much better than the Falcons defense. And, I mean, you can almost make the case that, you know, the Atlanta offense is so much better than the... I mean, is it that much better than the Bears offense? Maybe it's not with Nick Foles. I don't know. I just think that the game is going to be closer <laughs> uh, with the Bears. And I still can't figure no, out no, the no. Bears... I'm just... I, I, my point, be, I was saying more of, like, what's the difference in fantasy like style here like you're concerned about both in the passing game is what i was getting at yes and the reason i have montgomery above Gurley is because i think that there are going to be more opportunities for goal line carries in this specific game for montgomery over Gurley. that's my take on it that's certainly fair i was trying to look where the packers rank they're mid-pack oh oh here's one good thing the packers are leading the way in yards before contact 3.4 yards before they even get contact for running back so maybe maybe Gurley can get some before he gets tackled maybe but at the same time like how that's insane that's a crazy number it's just really hard to run on the packers because they tend to be up in these games <laughs> right but when they do you're having success that is that is insane number 3.4 yards. some running backs don't even average 3.4 yards per carry uh in that 30 range after Gurley, i have jk dobbins naheem hines i think this could be a good hines game versus the bears uh, just because their defense is so much better on the other side of the ball cordero patterson then like i don't know which tampa bay running back to play i i literally have no idea don't play any of them but ronald jones i have the I highest ranked at 34 no, Jeff, i'm doing the list answer. jake can you let me do the list <laughs> Fuck! You've let me interject before. I know, and I keep trying to talk over it. Then you just continue talking. Just let me do the list. <laughs> I'm Go to your list. <sighs> You're worse than cussed. Ronald Jones, <laughs> Jeff Wilson, Chase Edmonds, Sony Michelle, Josh Kelly, Chris Thompson, Leonard Fournette, and then you guessed ranked that awful marking group at number 41. What, what was it that you want to jump in on here about the Tampa Bay running backs in particular? I was just going to joke and say to completely stay away from them because... Bruce Arians has proven that Bruce Arians is has no loyalty to either one of them. We assumed he was with Leonard Fournette because he yanked Ronald Jones as soon as it happened. And then Leonard Fournette fumbles and then he goes back to Ronald Jones. So just don't even mess with either one of them. And I go ahead and drop him, trade him if you get anything for him, because the biggest problem is you're going to try and want to start him at some point. You can't until you see something. And then what just happened with Fournette, you didn't start Fournette because we wanted to see something. Then you do start Fournette and then you get the bad game anyway. So just get the hell away from it. DeAndre Swift, when everyone drops him, pick him up. That's just my word. 100%. Yeah. Like you said, he's the, you said before the season started, he is this year's Miles Sanders. He's probably not going to do anything to week eight, week nine, week 10, something like that, but he will do something for you. And he's probably going to play more than five snaps a week. That's the weird part about it too, is because he was leading the team in snaps 
before week three and then got six. Like, so, I have to think he made a rookie mistake in practice or something like that. Or, or you don't about, go that far. Matt, Tr- Matt Patricia, bad coach. I mean, obviously. <laughs> I mean, that's I, I thought that was kind of like inserted as a given when it comes to talking about this backfield. And like, it's if you're going to play one this week, it's probably Adrian Peterson. This is a revenge game for him because he sneakily played on way more teams than people think. <laughs> Yeah, well, Adrian Peterson also, I told you, they just want him to break Barry Sanders' record in a Lions jersey. They're just ticked off still at Sanders for retiring. Anyone from down this list you can see going to, whether it be Homer or if Philip Lindsay is back, like I wouldn't feel good about starting him week one coming off an injury, but he was he had basically overtaken Melvin Gordon week one until he got hurt. <laughs> yeah, I think he's interesting. I, as, as you mentioned, I'd be hesitant in his first game back, but you might be desperate. The only other name that even comes into the conversation is kind of it's Boston Scott, only because this might turn out to be late last year, where now because they're <laughs> they essentially could be back down to Greg Ward again and no Dallas Goddard this time around, where he might be used like a James White scenario because they're legitimately running out of options. Uh, the NFL Network has reported that, quote, as of now, the Titans week four game against the Steelers remains at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. So that's the latest news on that situation. Uh, continue to check the Internet for more information as this stuff moves on. Wide receivers for week four. Likely in, I have Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Russell Gage, Deontay Johnson, DJ Chark, Mike Williams, and John Brown. All those guys may not play, but for right now in the rankings, they are in. Likely out, Chris Godwin. All the graphics will reflect that Chris Godwin is in. Uh, I just saw he's going to miss multiple weeks, so I changed up the rankings. We'll talk about him here in a second of those Tampa receivers. He is likely out with his hamstring injury. I have Ruggs is out, Kirk is out, Brown is out, Watts, Justin Watson, Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perriman, Elshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, Brian Edwards, Debo Samuel, Dontrell Inman. Essentially, if you have the name Hamstring next to your name, uh, you're probably not going to play uh, without missing at least a game that has been the trend so far this season out Michael Pittman's out like six weeks now with this like weird leg thing that happened to him after the game had concluded he had to go into emergency surgery Paris Cambeau is still out he's out indefinitely Regor's out till December Sterling Shepard's on IR as is Mimsy so he is not playing in the Thursday night game number one DeAndre Hopkins number two Allen Robinson Devontae Adams Michael Thomas Calvin Ridley Keenan Allen Tyler Lockett Tyreek Hill Amare Cooper and then Robert Woods is there anyone you can argue for to be inside the top 10 that I have left out here would it be Mike Evans who I have at number 11 now Mm, if you really want to nitpick here hey look I let you get through your entire list although I feel like I finally made it Pat like a Tim or a a Jeff I finally got your let me get through the effing list so uh let's let's see Evans and Julio I mean you can make a case for them any given week especially with no Godwin but I mean Robert Woods feels like such a good situation against the Giants we just saw last week the reason I did so much work against him because similar to Debo Samuel and consider what Robert Woods is, is very much like Ayuk. And Ayuk was a comparison that I actually uh, I used Woods for an Ayuk comparison when he was getting drafted. Uh, I don't know how you pull Woods out of here. And with Cooper, what that office has been doing, he hasn't been the one left out so far. 
like who do you pull out of this list? So I, I you can make a case for both, but I don't know who I would yank from this list. No, and like the Julio, I still have the injury concerns that even he just might not be a hundred percent. He could be seventy five percent. That's if he plays at all. Even without Godwin, that's extra attention on Evans. Yes, Chris Harris is out, but he was presumably going to be on Godwin anyway, so it's just a wash from that department. So even on the outside, you still have Casey Hayward who can shut down Mike Evans or at least limit him, like we saw last week. I mean, great game for Evans, two touchdowns two catches and two yards that team's just weird uh and i don't like it <laughs> and i hope that they lose every game i don't know why it's just there's something about that team and like oh my god they're so unstoppable it's like are they so unstoppable they beat up on driscoll like, they're not back by any means <laughs> but we could see more tight ends like if justin watson misses this game with the wrist injury and scotty miller's banged up with this hip injury and godwin's not playing like are they just gonna run oj howard out at receiver is that what's finally gonna happen Conceivably, you could. I don't know if I would trust OJ Howard just from the shared use with Gronkowski from like last week. But last week, they could pull a Colts. The Colts were one of the only teams or only two teams did it last week. I forget off the top of my head that ran 13. So three tight ends. Uh, that means you're sending one of them out wide and you could see that or they're just two in line tight ends with one being in that slot situation. So I can see all three of them, including Brait being out there when you're starting to get this low into the wide receiver depth chart. It sounds like Miller's going to play, but to your point, a banged up Miller, do you just play O.J. Howard? I would just kind of try to stay away, but it's the tight end position. Of the tight ends just this past week that finished as tight end ones, I think it was five or six of them weren't even like 10% owned because they score a touchdown, and that's all that matters. O.J. Howard basically got that in the receiving game, so I could see making that a desperation play if you need to. Next range of guys, like I mentioned, Mike Evans at number 11 in the wide receiver rankings. Then we're going to go to Julio, Metcalf, Diggs, Juju, Thielen, DJ Moore, Cooper Cup, Kenny Galladay, Julian Edelman. That will go into DJ Chark, presuming he plays. Tyler Boyd, Will Fuller, Deontay Johnson, presuming he plays. Terry McLaurin, even against the Ravens. Hollywood Brown. Uh, it's a good situation for him in this game against Washington with their terrible corners. Jarvis Landry, CeeDee Lamb, Odell, and Marvin Jones. I do have Justin Jefferson at number 31. Do you think this is a pure changing of the tides in Minnesota? They moved him from the slot to the outside. Then, hey, all of a sudden, turns out you don't need B.C. Johnson on the field at all whatsoever. You can just play <laughs> your first-round rookie, and maybe he's really good. Yeah, I talked about Jefferson a lot in the waiver column. I don't think he's a must-add first waiver priority. He is, well, no, he is a must-add, not first waiver priority, not blow your entire budget, because I think this helps Adam Thielen more than does single-handedly for Jefferson, because I'll draw a parallel to Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards facing number one corners outside as a rookie. He's just not ready for it, and that's why he's struggling so much. Now he's hurt, but that's a side issue. Justin Jefferson being asked to play outside is out of his realm of comfort. He can do it. I don't know why I said comfort like that. He can do it, but he's he's going to have to grow into that ability. He didn't run slot as much as Thielen, and actually, uh, I forget who it was. It might have even been a tight end that ran the most for them in the slot last week. So Thielen was outside too, but I say all that. Jefferson actually also had a good matchup last week and exploited some situations out there. So when you see a situation like this, I think 31's fair-ish. I'd probably have him a little bit lower, because I think it's going to be an inconsistent situation. I, you kind of have to put him out there to see what happens again in week two, because it, now the number two job is his, but it could be Deshaun Jackson, Marquise Brown, like where one week it's what we just saw one week. It's two catches for 30 yards just because he's not quite grown into that ability yet. 
Yeah, and the it, it depends on, like, if they do push him back to the outside, it's a fantastic matchup for him. If he does go back into the slot, it's a horrible matchup for him. Um, like, it, that's that was the case against Tennessee last week. Uh, so now we're looking at Houston. It's right. almost kind of a similar situation. So if they do keep him on the outside, I do like him a lot. Um, I'm guessing that they will after what they saw last week, but who the fuck knows these guys? Um, <laughs> What else do we have here? Plus, you have the situation where you just picked him up. You want to play him, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the fun part about it. Like I said, I personally would go Parker, especially the Seahawks. With the with the I mean, everybody who faces the Seahawks, similar to everybody who faces the Cowboys, they put up so many points and give up so many points. I know that with Adams back, you probably don't feel as good, but I still think that Lazard proved he is the number two. That's probably as far as I might go. Because uh, Brandon Cooks, he just doesn't look like he's even 100% to what he used to be. And I know concussions doesn't necessarily evolve your body, but he just he doesn't look like the receiver from two or three years ago. And then you get into Golden Tate, and I know I'm doing your list, sorry, but the, I just that's as far as I would go is basically what I'm saying. I, I like him definitely in front of everybody else just for his upside alone. I actually really like Golden Tate this week. I like him on DraftKings too. Like I don't have the utmost confidence in him, but it goes Jefferson, Gallup, Parker, Lazard, Cooks, Tate, Greg Ward, Preston Williams, Russell Gage, Hunter Renfro, and then Keelan Cole at number 41. Like with Tate, you have to kind of think it's almost like a situation like Renfro where he's not thrust into the only guy that's around, but at the same time, like Renfro might be the number one on this team. If the Bills decide to take out Waller, it's just gonna be Renfro walking around. It's like, okay. Uh, When we were looking at Tate, Ramsey's been good like shutting down Diggs is hard shutting down Slayton gonna be difficult but at the same time not as big of a challenge like I think the interior is where you really want to go against the Rams and that's going to be Golden Tate and Evan Ingram well and to the game that we just saw what did we see with the Rams and the Bills it's not only the rushing upside facing both these teams but the woods was a lot of underneath. Actually, I, I wrote that up in the column too. I think it was close to 170, 180 combined yards for woods and cup after the catch. <laughs> and I, on the flip side of that too, if you saw what the bills did against the Rams, it was like a lot of Beasley, a lot of work underneath, even Gabriel Davis, who plays outside similar in the John Brown role underneath. So both of these teams to, to what we're talking about here, I don't, I don't mind the Golden Tate call at all because as you where where did you have you have I know you must have him lower where do you have uh, Darius Slayton I have Slayton really low uh, sixty one I just don't and, I, I don't okay. want to start anyone against Ramsey that isn't like an elite yeah. receiver I didn't think he would be even that low but I'm not gonna argue too much against it because I think to, to to what you're saying is he gets taken away and this is a Tate situation and Renfro isn't in a similar situation that he's set up nicely to do a lot of work underneath and for this conceivable future running backs and underneath receivers against the Rams and bills are what you want to look for. So this 41 to 50 got like Nikhil Harry. Uh, I, I would like to know which Denver receiver I should play against the jets. Cause you want to play a receiver against the jets. Do you want to take KJ Hamler? So, who's a burner? I have him at 47. Oh. Is this, we just saw all of the rookie receivers break out. Is it finally time for Jerry Judy? It might be. So I'm going to go back uh, to my waiver column again. So I am legitimately, I'm terrified of what the Broncos are doing with Hamler. So Hamler, in case people don't know, is Beasley size. You don't want Hamler playing outside. Not because he's not like a Christian Kirk and Sterling Shepard are two guys I referenced as better in the slot, but can play outside. KJ Hamler might succeed on a few snaps outside. The dude's 5'8". The slot usage last week, here's the percentage. Judy, 82% in the slot. Tim Patrick, 23%. 
Hamler, 5.7% of his snaps were in the slot. What the hell are the Broncos doing? I, I do not want Hamler at all if he's not going to see slot work. Yeah, uh, but it's just one big play against the Jets. So maybe the speed. It was almost like Andy Isabella last week, who barely played yet had a huge game. <laughs> It's, it certainly can be, but Andy Isabella is also a big deep threat option. I mean, you can send Hamler deep. He does have some deep ball ability. I kind of want to see the Jets win just so I can listen to Tim go crazy next week. Hey, they're back. Going to the playoffs. <laughs> they're beating the Broncos. <laughs> Sam Darnold, I told you he was a franchise quarterback. <laughs> hey, Sam Darnold, uh, he really piled up the touchdown passes last week. He had three of them. It was nice. Yeah, I know. Everybody's back on him. It's just like if there's... It's so baffling to me how the industry wants to make every excuse possible. And I'm not talking about just him. The industry wants to make every excuse there is for Sam Darnold. And Lamar Jackson has one bad game, and it's, oh, see, this is why he was never going to be a good passer. Like, are you – I almost cursed again. Wow. I just I, – that's the most ludicrous thing I've seen this week. Yeah, I, I really, really wonder why that is. Um, <laughs> T, I have T. Higgins at number 45. Uh, against the Jags. It looks like he's past AJ. Just in terms of talent, it looks like he's past AJ Green, who does look kind of <laughs> dusty at this point. But uh, just whenever they were in a pinch on third downs, like that's where they were going. T. Higgins, a lot bigger than I thought he was. Oh, yeah. He's a big dude. So the, the thing with T. Higgins, too, is it's now it was only one more than AJ Green and two more than Tyler Boyd, but more routes and more snaps than both of them. Now, Again, it's very small. Here's my one concern, and I'm going to say something I've been saying this entire year about Joe Burrow. This is a testament to the Bengals doing the right thing, but this is where I'm worried about the consistency. I agree with you. I, at this point already, I would play Higgs over A.J. Green because Green and, and Burrow are just not connecting. Part of it is on Burrow. But what the Bengals are doing is, I think I might even said it to you in week one, is they're letting him sit back, point, fine, shoot the ball, throw the ball, click the ball, whatever you want to say. It's just find the open guy and go. But that's going to lead to what you've seen so far is he kind of hones in on a position or player. Week two, it was the tight ends. It was Uzma. And then when he went out in a sample this past week, it was Higgins. The only consistent option so far has been Boyd. So I would go Higgins, but don't be surprised if you know, Burrow finds something early and just targets, targets, targets. One week, it might be the backfield the entire game. It's just that's what Burrow's doing as a rookie, and it's good for him, but he's getting very focused so far. Well, one of the reasons that I bring up the size of T. Higgins was we had talked about Sample a little bit last week. Oh, it's going to be a nice situation for Sample. Then Ross was declared inactive. Higgins was going to play. And then, like, I'm, I'm looking for Sample out there. It's like, oh, 85. Like, who is this backup tight end? It's like, oh, no, that's T. Higgins. Uh, he might have just taken that role as, like, the big-bodied, like, kind of sure-handed, just kind of chuck it up to him. He can box people out and go get it from Joe Burrow. That Uzma was, that Sample was in the game where Uzma went out. That might just be T. Higgins now. Yeah, and I'm looking right now, and Higgins saw 21.4% of the targets in that game. Uh, Tyler Boyd, though, 31. So, again, still Tyler Boyd, the consistent option. Higgins, everything you're saying is correct, and this is why, again, why we go Higgins over A.J. Green. I just wouldn't get – don't be surprised if you get let down. And I'm looking right now, and he did run 21% of his snaps out of the slot, too, so they are moving him around a little bit. All right, so I have one guy that I didn't put into the rankings because I couldn't figure out where to put him. It's either going to be really low or really high because he's been really <laughs> good so far. And how, Robbie Anderson. So what uh, do we make of Patrick Peterson now? Uh, what about him? Like that he's is he still a, is he still a corner know. to avoid, or could, do we just start guys against him now? It's 
No, it's it's not Ramsey level, but you know, here's a good comparison. It's when Jenkins started to fall. Janoris Jenkins started to fall off a little bit. It was, you know what? Any given week, he could be Jenkins. Any given week, he can be Patrick Peterson. But he's not the one where it's every week now. So to your idea and like where you want to go with this, I, I don't think I'm completely fading everybody who fa- faces him at this point, but I would still... I was still assuming the conversation that it might be a shaky day. So why, where were, where were you thinking of putting them somewhere in the forties? Like, would you play Jerry Judy or Robbie Anderson? It has to be Robbie Anderson just with, with the way that he's played. Right. Yeah. I would play Anderson over Harry Cole Renfro. Between would you play I Gage? Even, I think I'd still go Anderson. I would go Preston Williams is third now. I mean, he's falling behind Gasicki and you know, I like Preston Williams and that's a, that's a such a tasty matchup. I, I kind of there's a, there's there it is. I feel like Robbie Anderson versus Preston Williams for me feels like I'm going to be in a conundrum trying to decide between those two. Just coming, just looking at it right now, I think I actually would play him over Brendan Cooks. <laughs> just that defense well, is so I would bad also in have, Minnesota. <laughs> I also would have Brandon Cooks and Greg Ward behind Preston Williams. Now, Greg Ward me. is great. Don't worry about Greg Ward, guy who <laughs> leads you to fantasy championships. Greg Ward. Nobody even had him when he was Greg Ward last year. No, he doesn't lead you to fantasy championships. He leads you to draft DraftKings money is what he leads you to. He was. I think he was on like two millionaire maker teams in a row to end the season. Like it, when he is, when all of the other options are out, everyone just loads up on Zach Ertz, and it turns out Greg Ward's the guy you want. Carson Wentz like completion percentage to everyone who's not Greg Ward one percent to Greg Ward ninety nine percent for some reason. <laughs> So uh, uh, I'm going to slot in Robbie Anderson one spot behind Preston Williams. Does I mean Greg Ward? No, okay. he's behind Greg Ward for sure. Uh, I mean Williams' matchup is just so good. So it's volume versus matchup. I'll go with a good matchup with Preston Williams. Maybe this is the week that he gets it back going. I do have breaking news as I am scanning the Twitter machine right now. As it turns out, I am too. What do you see? We're not getting Blake Bortles on Thursday evening. We're not even getting Driscoli. We're getting Brett Rippin. <laughs> Does, wow. that, does that do Brett anything? Was, does that do anything to change Hamler? Does that do anything to change Judy? I mean, he played towards the end of the game last week. No, it, mostly because we don't have enough on Rippin, and Rippin is. I mean, if you want to talk about scouting perspectives, you can say Rippin has the better talent and the better arm. So maybe you could say this increases the ability for Judy. Uh, maybe you get a deep ball to Hamler. I, I'm just going to go back to it's the usage of the wide receivers. That's my biggest concern is like, where are these guys lining? If you're going to line them up exactly as you did last week, I'm completely off Hamler and definitely do like Judy. And Tim Ripping, Patrick. Again, should help. Yeah, and Tim Patrick. Uh, Tim Patrick can be intriguing as a dart throw. Uh, I don't think you need to be there yet in seasonal, but uh, ripping so much doesn't move the needles. It much does give you some more deep ball ability. I saw people coming at you about like Patrick <laughs> Mahomes not being the number one quarterback in your rankings last week. <laughs> I, I thought it was really strange. Um, but as people no. know, I do my rankings based on the order that I would play them. If you have one of these, now it's eight. Hey, we had that Minshew. You talk people into Minshew and I said, I wasn't there yet. Call him a must start every week. Uh, but I'm back in this because he's a top 10 guy for me, but I think there's the eight <laughs> quarterbacks. And I'll, I'll reiterate the eight quarterbacks from last week that I do think you're just you play every week. Lamar, Kyler, Russell Wilson, Mahomes, Dak, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, and Aaron Rodgers. Those are the eight that you're going to play. I have Minshew at number nine. I have Cam at number 10 this week. 
Yeah. So, well, no. So what you're referencing was I got a lot of questions last week. Do I bench Patrick Mahomes for blank? And it what? was who is some what, top- what, who is benching Patrick Mahomes ever? I don't get that. So like, what was like, I know that you've always said like, what's wait, the wait. point of drafting Patrick Mahomes if you're going to yes. bench him? But like, no, what, no, no. The question, <laughs> like, what people are thinking about doing this is an insane way of thinking. Like, not everyone no, has a good game every week. That doesn't happen. People are going to have bad games. Lamar, just have a bad game. What, are you going to fucking drop him? No, give your head a shake. No, this goes back to what did I tell you in week one is the people that were considering benching options and it, what it was my response. I even dropped the F-bomb. I said, then why did you effing draft them? Like, if you drafted somebody in the first three or four rounds, then why did you do it? On top of it, why did you spend a second rounder likely on Patrick Mahomes or a very big part of your auction budget to bench him ever? But yes, people were asking this. Like, again, we assume, I don't say we, I don't want to speak for you, but like, because we do this so often and because a lot of the people we do speak to are active and very experienced owners in their fantasy leagues, there still are a significant percentage of people who are casual players. I had somebody that I do other side work with that texted me and said, I picked up Minshew. Should I play him over Mahomes? And I said, absolutely not. And I'm the, <laughs> the Minshew guy who went down with that ship last week. People are asking these questions because they see matchups and overreact every single year. And that was my question. I was like, then why did you draft Mahomes? Stupid. I had Patrick Mahomes at number three. The guy that was pushing back with tagged like, seven or eight people in the industry and was trying to troll and be like, why was consensus for Mahomes at six, you morons? And I was just like, you're just trying to troll everybody. But that was the Patrick Mahomes conversation, how it came about. It was actually kind of two separate issues. So you have those, I have those eight guys, they're must-starts. Then you can start picking holes and everything else. I do think that the pace goes up in that Can I ask you about one? I mean, we haven't passed 10 yet, so. No, that's why I want to ask one of them why they're not in, like, why, why wouldn't you put Matt, Pat, Matt Ryan there yet. Was it because of his game last week? Is it the Julio Jones factor? I I worry that it's funny because I was, I kind of had this epiphany while I was watching the game and maybe it's a bit different because their kickers hurt that they might just start going for it all the time and not settling for field goals that whether Julio (laughs) does or does not do things in terms of stats, him being on the field is essential to that offense. Like if he doesn't play their offense, well, they can still gain yardage and Ridley can put up his numbers. Just having Julio out there makes them so much better. It's kind of weird. I mean, it shouldn't be weird because he's so good, but like just his presence makes the defense shift over to him. It makes them do stupid things. So I'm going to do a comparison and then so ask you a follow-up question. So 100%, you're correct. The Julio Jones factor, similar to why I should have pulled off Minshew a little bit. When you pull off Chark and you start leading your passing game through Chris Conley, look what the hell happens when you have that kind of talent disparity. It sabotaged the entire passing game, especially, again, when you're letting Conley lead the way. So I guess my follow-up question to you would be, do you think Matt Ryan, because like I'm looking at it and I see Aaron Rodgers and I'm like, what's the big difference between Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers if Julio is out there? So that was kind of where I was leading towards. Well, I guess the thing would be that regardless of Adams or Julio playing, let's say they both play, I doubt they're going to be at 100%. And then I'm just going to try to bank on the fact that I can see Rodgers continuing to put up big numbers with or without Devontae Adams, at least in this circumstance. And just something about the Falcons scares me. It's not just the two late collapses that it feels like we're in for the worst. The worst is still yet to come with them, where they just come out flat, get beat down, and Dan Quinn gets fired. I'm just worried about that. (laughs) No, that's certainly fair. That's why I wanted to ask 
Um, but I had Matt Ryan at number 11. It's like, you want to play Matt Ryan. I still think he's a fine play. Then I go Burrow, Fitzpatrick, Roethlisberger, assuming he plays. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I like in this game against the Cardinals. Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, Nick Mullins, Baker Mayfield, and Nick Foles. Uh, there's a lot of streamers this week. Like the, the top streamers you can go pick up, Minshew, Burrow, Fitzpatrick. Pick up one of those three, play them, get fantasy points. Yeah, and uh, you know, I hate to make cases for him, but hey, he just won me some money doing it, playing the <laughs> contrarian stack with the Rams. But I, against the Giants, I would definitely have Jared Goff higher. Yeah, Jared, I'm just, I, I, again, part of my rankings are serious. Part of my rankings are for fun. Like I said, if you picked up Justin Jefferson that you probably want to play him this week, I would. I picked him up. I want to play him. So I'm going to rank him a bit highly. I can't uh, never envision a situation in my season-long league where I'd be like, I could pick up Fitzpatrick or Goff. I'm just not playing Goff. I'm not picking him up and playing him. I hate Goff. <laughs> well, I would play Fitzpatrick 100%. He's like the... I, I did the show with Joe Holka, and he's like the obvious outlier on pricing for DraftKings if you want to go cheaper and avoid the big guys is Fitzpatrick against the Seahawks. If we're assuming the Seahawks are going to be the Seahawks, Fitzpatrick could have one of his four touchdown games. No question in my mind, I'm starting Fitzpatrick. I'm just starting Jared Goff all the way. I'd put him at 18. I would start him over Mullins, Mayfield, Foles, Herbert. Like, that's that's all I was bringing up. See, I thought I might have Mayfield too low. I know that they want to run the ball as much as possible, but Dallas is going to score points, and they can't stop anyone. They can't stop anyone, but Baker Mayfield outside of the Bengals game hasn't looked like he deserves to be higher. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I'm like not. the way that he's playing, let me look down your, the way that he's playing, would you put Daniel Jones higher than Baker Mayfield if Daniel Jones was playing the Cowboys? And I think that's kind of how you have to look at it. Right yes, now. I would. Like, I would have, he, I would have Daniel Jones at like number 10 because he runs. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz against the Cowboys. Where would you have Carson Wentz? I mean, Carson Wentz and Drew Brees look like two of the worst quarterbacks in football. They, they look worse than Drew Brees looks fine last week. If as long as he's just targeting Alvin Kamara a billion times, let Kamara do all the work. Yeah, but that's that's going to be tough. Like if he doesn't throw for three touchdowns, he has a terrible fantasy deal. He's not go. You're not getting any periphery points with Brees. You have to have the touchdowns. And I am not right. banking on that type of quarterback. No, that's certainly fair. And I jokingly said that he deserved maybe like 10 percent of that touchdown from Kamara that that Kamara got on that. That wasn't even fair that Brees got all that. <laughs> Uh, tight ends. Let's talk about them. As you mentioned before, it was the week of the, and this, again, this is why Travis Kelsey should be up near the top every single time. First round pick. All the tight ends have a bad week. What does Kelsey do? He's just inside the top five for tight end scoring once again. He's just so consistent. It's hard to get him out of there. But I have Kittle and Knox as likely in. Goddard is going to be out. Jared Cook I have as likely out with his groin injury. We'll wait and see with him. Jared Re Jordan Reed sorry, has been placed on injured reserve with two separate injuries. That's new for him. He usually gets hurt so badly the first time he can't come back in to get hurt again. But here we are. <laughs> Kelsey at number one. Kittle, Andrews, Gusecki, Ertz, Waller, Henry, Dalton Schultz, Jimmy Graham, ugh, and Noah Fant at number ten. Uh, I don't love it. I don't. I don't like Jimmy Graham. That feels a little reactionary against the Colts. I would play Higby and Fant. I'd play Janu. Uh, I would even go down to Hawkinson and Hurst and kind of right in that range. And also Evan Ingram. I know we haven't hit him yet, but there's no way Evan Ingram shouldn't even be on lineup. He shouldn't even be on rosters at this point. I think that this is the week where we do see Evan Ingram. We just saw the Rams' Why? inability. What have you seen so far? He we just saw the Rams' inability to cover one of 20 tight ends on the Bills. That this is a situation where, again, if I think I like Golden Tate in this game for the Giants, I have to like Evan Ingram if he's going to be lining up in the slot on the other side. 
No, because you don't. Because I mean, do I you have to like Jake, Chris you'd be Herndon. Fucking shocked! I can do whatever I want. <laughs> well, I'm saying you don't have to. Yeah, but you can do whatever you want. But you don't have to because do you like Herndon? Do you like Kyle? No. Like what? If, what? If, like you just said, we've seen. Well, what have we seen the first three weeks from the Giants that Evan Ingram can't get open and Daniel Jones can't hit him? Like, what's going to change in one week? I'm not playing the matchups. Evan Ingram is only relevant to people right now by name only for the one year with no Odell Beckham and no Sterling Shepard. If he hits, I'm fine with it, but I'm not even putting him in my lineup. Okay. I would be willing to risk him. I'd be willing to risk Jimmy Graham over him in the spot with Nick Foles, who... He's like the red zone guy of the world. Apparently, if Nick Fole, if Nick Foles is inside the 20, you're looking at Jimmy Graham. Even Trubisky was looking at him. It was really weird. Uh, that's three touchdowns through three games for him right now. Uh, Gesicki is the big one here. Like you could, you could make a viable case that Gesicki is the number one tight end of the week. I'm not going to make that case, but I would throw out there that Mike Gesicki, since what is it? Let's see. Where was it? Gusecki has run more routes than Odell Beckham since week nine of last year, and he leads the NFL with 14 end zone targets over that time. Like, he's been amazing. Well, the problem is, well, no, he's been amazing for those stats, but the problem was he's not been amazing in converting all of them. That was the biggest problem is he was one of the most inefficient players in all of football last year during that stretch. So, yes, the opportunity is there, but similar to Mark Andrews and Monday night football, some of those things get left on the field. So I can see Gasicki at three. There's no way. I know you said you can just make it a case, but I won't even try to make the case over Kelsey and Kittle. No, I might. I, I like, I could see starting him over Andrews where, for sure. Where are you on the expected fantasy points that people are coming out with this year? Are you behind it or not? I think it's interesting to look at. Uh, I think that all data because, is interesting to look at, but I wouldn't be like, oh, well, expected fantasy points, got to play them. It's, it's a lot like air yards. Like, there has to be some sort of context to it, like A.J. Green's air yards. Like, I really liked Deshaun Jackson last week. He was second in the league in air yards. Uh, and the reason that I like that, because Rager was going to be out, I would presume that would be more deep shots for Deshaun Jackson down the field with one fewer target on the field, especially another deep threat. What I didn't bank on was Deshaun Jackson pulling his hamstring and leaving the game. That sucked. But the difference difference between him in my mind and AJ Green who is the leader in air yards was having watched the Philly games like those were catchable balls for Deshaun Jackson they were like one or two paces or just one or two paces behind uh, that the ball was a bit overthrown but he was getting himself open he was getting separation the air yards that were accounted for AJ Green like they had no chance of catching any of these passes they weren't even close <laughs> right well, and you're 100% right in the context behind it the reason I asked that question is because Logan Thomas is fifth in expected fantasy points and number one at expected fantasy points left or not gained or whatever, not like however you want to describe it. So that's why I was asking that question for Logan Thomas specifically. Well, I, I don't mind Logan Thomas. I haven't number 16 this week. That's between Hayden Hurst and Eric Ebron. The, the case I think for Thomas is just unlike a lot of other tight ends. And I think why this would translate into his expected fantasy points being so high would be that he's just running more routes than all of the other tight ends, and just Washington sucks is the problem. And <laughs> if you're just going to put up three for 37 every game on seven targets, like we can look at market share and be like, oh, man, his market share is really high. Like I'm looking at right now uh, his weighted average, so the, the warp, the whopper, the whopper set is actually <laughs> one that I do like. I think it's relatively predictive in trying to find big games, not consistency, but big games that could potentially happen. Basically, if you go to ftndaily.com and use the area, so you'll find WOPR. So what WOPR is, is the weighted average that incorporates a player's team of targets and their share of air yards. And when you look at 
Logan Thomas right now, his whopper, 58%. So McLaurin's a bit higher, and then it's him. And then it's like no one else on that team. That would be the reason why. Plus, you're getting him into these game scripts where you would presume that Washington would always be passing, but they're just not. They're not good. Okay. Uh, sorry, I was feeding Barkley to keep her occupied. Uh, That's fair. So I, I, like, everything you s- I get the case for him, and I don't completely... I get the statistical case. I just don't necessarily think that the logic behind it uh, is going to make it... It's going to happen like right. in week eight, and he's going to have a huge game, and then you're going to get the Barry Horowitz out there. So I told you, play Logan Thomas every week. Like, no, like come on, man. <laughs> Well, and that's why I wanted to bring it up because a lot of people are talking up Logan Thomas this week and against the Ravens and everything you said with the game script and all that type of stuff. And my question was going to be with Hawkinson, the fact that his basically target share didn't move without Galladay and didn't move when Galladay came back. He's just, he's going to get the same every single week. It was like, it was that somewhere where you would go, I'm going to go for the upside of Hawkinson be, or for Thomas because at some point he's going to hit to what you're saying. He's due, Pat. He's due. Yeah, he's statistically due. That That is the nice way of saying these sorts of things. Let's do some defenses uh, before we get out of here. I'm going to reassess the defenses later in the week. For whatever reason, the stats that I generally look at have not updated from last week as of yet, and I think those are crucially and critically important when looking at defenses. My poor Falcons, Jake, they had everything going for them, and then Foles came in. If they just kept with Trubisky, it could have been the highest-scoring defense of the week. They were leading all defenses <laughs> in fantasy points before Trubisky got fold uh you know it's funny is there's apparently a lot of people that watch us that are part of the athletic subscription too because i got a lot of people in the comments are like so are you gonna move Atlanta higher because of what pat's saying and i didn't like i didn't move him as high as you did but nobody saw the full switch happening that's why i dropped anthony miller in a league i would have never dropped him if i knew they were going to make the switch to nick Foles. you know what anthony miller just based on the amount of routes run when Foles was in the game he's barely on the field i know he caught the touchdown but he wasn't really doing much no, but he's getting a lot of looks when he is out there. So I'm not that concerned. I know people are talking up Darnell Mooney, but, you know, between the two, it's Foles likes Miller so far. So I, I would stick with Miller. I wouldn't drop him, put it that way. Like, and I wish I didn't. Yeah, yeah, you don't. You probably don't need to drop him. I wouldn't be going out of my way just to play him for the sake of like, oh, brand new quarterback, Anthony Miller's going to be great. Maybe he will be, but I would like to see him run more routes and be on the field more often. Defenses. I got the Ravens at number one against Washington. I got the Rams at number two. No one owns the Rams, by the way. I didn't Which expect to see that. So they are the defense you go and target to go pick up on your waiver. I spent some cash on too. They'll be good this week. Steelers, Jets, and Broncos. These teams are horrible. Um, and when you have horrible teams with horrible quarterbacks and horrible offensive lines, just in, on a short week, just fire up the defenses and pray to God stupid things happen. Like I, I, right, I, Rippin doesn't go off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe Rippin will go off, but maybe he throws eight picks. Like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in this game, but bad teams, short week, special teams touchdowns. Like, these are poorly coached teams. These are injured teams. Like, I, I just like the Thursday defenses sometimes when you get bad teams playing each other. Okay. And it's a tough week for defense after I, that. Like, yeah, yeah I have the Bears, the Packers, the Colts, the Bills, the Bucks. Like, all the teams with good game scripts don't necessarily have the best pressure rates or they're playing uh, against teams that have really good offensive lines. That it's, it's really hard to decipher. Hey, we're, I'm surprised you don't even have the 49ers in the top 16. Do I not? I guess I don't. Maybe I've overlooked them. I don't love the 49ers this week is the problem. Um, but but against the Eagles, they're, they're the same issues as the Giants. I mean, you just love Greg Ward so much. You didn't even look. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's the case. Um, I, I guess the problem would be, I guess the offensive line is banged up, but it's like, how many sacks did Wentz end up taking last week? I don't feel like it was all that many. Maybe it was, was a lot, it? and I just didn't notice. Can we find? I mean, he was playing the Bengals too. He was, Let's but see. it's not. It's not Team like sacks. that. The 49ers defensive line is running at full strength right he now. He took. So well, so they have three sacks. Six tackles for a loss and five QB hits. So even the Bengals got after him. All right, Sam, maybe the 49ers should be inside the top 10. That's a good call. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Uh, Packers against the Falcons or 49ers against the Giants? I'm going to go 49 against the Eagles. 49ers against the Eagles. All right, that's where I'll slot them in. I'll slot them in at number five. 49ers at the Eagles or against. It's at home against the Eagles, right? Yes, yes, Sunday night football. So I'm still going to use the Bears uh, over them because... Good uh, God, can we flex that out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll put in Jets Broncos. <laughs> we'll, we'll all be good. Uh, <laughs> the Bears defense has been really good uh, so far. Um, shockingly enough, I thought they would have regressed a little bit just somewhere in between where they were last year and where they were two years ago, but it looks like they're closer to two years ago, just not with all of the turnover luck in the world. But now they're playing Phillip Rivers in a game where he might have to throw 35 times, so sign me up for that. And T.Y. Hilton is on the same page as A.J. Green as neither of them look that good right now. He's down to Zach Pascal, who plays a lot of slots, similar to Paris Campbell, so who do they go to after that? And, I mean, do they run a ton of 12 with Mo Cox and Jack Doyle? Or in some 13, as I mentioned earlier, like, this team, this is starting to, like, lose pieces. The, the ideal scenario for them would obviously just to be leaning on Jonathan Taylor, but you bring up why the, the defense against them would be an intriguing play. All right, Jake Seeley, your rankings come out midnight Tuesday at theathletic.com. Once again, uh, with all of these COVID cases with the Tennessee Titans, whether those games are going to be rescheduled or not, the Friday update show will be the real hammer down. Um, once we have all of the information, I'll be doing a Q&A in the comment section of that. That uh, If you just put your question in there, I'll answer it by Saturday evening. For this show, just smash the like for it. Share it around. Check out the rankings on DK Playbook, and you can find them in the description of this video and podcast. Rate the podcast five stars as well. Tell some friends about it. Horrible advice for me. So, you, like I've always said, Jake, that if you can get two people to listen to the show, you're free to stop listening. <laughs> I like that. That's I never thought about that before. I should try that for my podcast. Yeah, we're du- we're doubling up on the audience. Where where can people find the All In podcast? Uh, it's on everything, just like your stuff on iTunes, Stitchers, Google Plays, all that type of stuff. Uh, I have Chris Harris this week. Mine comes out Tuesdays or Wednesdays, depending on when I can just get the guest involved. But yeah, go over to the athletic. Tell them Pat sent you. You get a dollar if you're a new subscriber. So there you go. Hey, there we go. Dollar for a new subscriber to get all Jake's stuff. And he actually answers your questions in the comment section. He has to. He's obligated to. 1,200 comments last week in the rankings column. Yeah, I'd be, I would have quit by now, but that's me. <laughs> Go work at Starbucks or something like that. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Jake, Jake Seeley, check the link if you want his rankings. Like I said, you can find mine in the description of this video and podcast. And that will do it. Spread picks Wednesday, DraftKings picks Thursday, update on Friday and then Sunday live with Brad Evans, 10 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. We will be taking your questions live on that show as well for the final half hour from 1030 to 11 time. For your questions if you got anything last second. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.